Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the last four verses of chapter 2 today, starting with verse 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Follow along as I read. Ephesians 2, starting with verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God, thank you for your word. I pray that you bless it and use it in our hearts. Awaken us to it, Lord. Pray that we'd love it more today. Pray that we would go out wanting and longing to live it more today. Thank you for it. We pray that you'd speak through it in Christ's name. Amen. Have a seat. In verse 19 here, it says uh, this word at the end of the verse, this, that we are members of the household of God. And if you remember, um, if you were here, if you're a visitor, we're actually working our way through the entire book of Ephesians. That's why we're picking up where we are today. But if you were here uh, last week, you remember in verse 14, we talked about how it says that we are one or verse 16, I believe one body that we might that that we might be reconciled both to God both groups the Jews and the Gentiles to God in one body well the one body in this household that it's talking about we talked about last week was the church it's referring to the church and so the entire direction really of verses 11 through the end of of the chapter 22 chapter 2 um verse 11 through verse 22 I should say is is kind of all heading in this direction that it's that it's saying that whether we're Jew or Gentile no matter who we are if we're in Christ whether we're Jew or Gentile we're one in Christ and we're a part of this body the body of Christ the church and so formerly Gentiles were separated and alienated and hopeless but now because of Christ we're all one in him we're the body of Christ we're the church of Christ and it doesn't matter what we're from as far as geographically it doesn't matter how we were raised as far as religion is concerned if we're in christ now if we know christ if we've been saved by christ if we want to go back to towards the beginning of chapter two if he's made us alive if god's made us alive in christ then we're a part of this church his body so verse 19 as it, as it starts off it says this you're no longer strangers and aliens you're no longer strangers and aliens uh, if you want to look back with me in verse 12, it's referring back to there in verse 12 where Paul says, I want you to remember what you used to be, Gentiles. You used to be separated from Christ. You used to be alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You used to be strangers to the covenants of promise. And you used to have no hope and you used to be without God in the world. But now in Christ, he says in verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens. As a part of the church, as a part of the body of Christ... Gentiles, you are those who are near. Jews, you are those who are near. Anyone who's in Christ, you are those who are near to God now because of Christ, if you're part of the church. And so if we look back and see what he tells us to remember in verse 12, what he's telling us here in verse 19 when he says you're no longer strangers and aliens, is he's saying you have hope and you have God. 
you have hope and you have God. As I, as I think through that, not just for this week, but as I think through that often, it's, I really have this, this, this heart and this feeling that we, as a part of the church, if you're in Christ, if you're sitting here today and you know Christ, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you're part of that group, we should be the most sincerely joyful people on the face of the planet. And when we think through what it says, you used to be separated from God, now you brought near to God. You used to be alienated from God, now you're part of his family. You used to be hopeless, and now your life is filled with hope. No matter your circumstances, no matter your financial circumstances, no matter your job circumstances, no matter your health circumstances, no matter what, you have hope. You used to be without God in the world, and now you have a relationship with the God of the universe. As I think through those things, I, I just can't get anywhere, but we, as the church, ought to be the most joyful, sincerely joyful people on the planet, no matter our circumstances. I mean, because what are we waiting for? Once I'm out of debt, then I'll be joyful. Or, or once I get this, or once I have this, or once I'm at this point, or we have everything in Christ. We have Christ. It's, it's impossible for it to get any better on this planet because we have Jesus. And so no matter what our other circumstances are, if we're in Christ, how can we be more joyful? We ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. Because it's great news that we're a part of the church, bought by Christ. We're his body. We're, like we talked about last week when we said we're ambassadors for Christ, we're representatives in this world of, of Christ as the body of Christ, as the church. How, how could it get better than that? How could, how could things improve? They can't. We're in Christ, and it's the best it could get. And so today, as we, as we look through these four verses, really what I want to spend our time doing is, 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 is seeing what can we learn if we are a part of the church, if we're called the church, then what can we learn about the church from these four verses? He's, he's talking about the church here. And so just from these four verses, what can we learn about ourselves, about the church? And so that's where we're going to spend our time. Because if we're in Christ, then we are a part of the church. He doesn't, when, when you, when you, come into this relationship with Jesus, he doesn't ask you, hey, do you, you want to be a part of this church thing or not? Would you like to be a part of, you've seen the church, you see how it works, maybe you've attended some, do you want to be a part of the church or not? He doesn't ask that. We don't get a choice. If we're in Christ, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. And so how ought we to function as the church? What should we be like as the church? What should we look like as the church? Of Christ, And so from these four verses, we want to look at that today. And so there's eight things, okay? Eight things from these four verses that I want to talk about. Not all of them will be long, I promise. Some of them will be brief. Some of them will be longer than brief. But that's okay, right? Because we want to know, what are we, what are we supposed to be like as the church? What does the Bible tell us? And so I know you're as excited as I am this morning. And I am excited. The first thing is this. What, what, what can we learn about the church and what should the church be like from, from what we read here? First of all, is unity. In the church, there should be 
unity. Right at the beginning of, of what, we've, what our text is today, it says, So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You're fellow citizens with the saints. Not just some saints, not just cornerstone saints, with the saints. With the saints in Columbus, with the saints in Ohio, with the saints in the United States, with the saints in North America, with the saints around the world. Your fellow citizens. Together with the saints. And as we look through scriptures, we look through the New Testament, what we see is there ought to be a unity. There ought to be a unity in the body of Christ. In in fact, if you look at what Paul says in in Romans 12, he says things like this in Romans 12. He says, let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. He's talking to the church. He's talking about the church, about the body of Christ and how we should function and and love and be in harmony together with other believers. Not just here, not just in life group, but in life. We have this unity and love for the body of Christ. There should be unity in the body, not not just the local gathering. And let me let me clarify that. okay? because when we say church, we can mean two things. This is a church. You're the church. And we're not talking about the building. We didn't move churches when we moved from the theater, theater a year and a half or a year and a couple months ago into this. Now we, we just moved churches. No, our church moved because you're the church. The people are the church. And so we have this local body of believers. This is the local church. But then we have what the Bible talks about as the universal church. And that includes every saint Every tribe, every tongue that is in Christ, every denomination, all of those that are in Christ. And as we look at what Paul says, as we look at this, that we're fellow citizens together, we ought to have this unity in the body of Christ, not just this body, in the whole body. Now, the question that comes up then is, what's with all the denominations? Well, we got so many denominations then. If the Bible is pretty clear that we should have unity in the body, and it is, then is God mad at us for having denominations? Is it bad that there are denominations? I don't think so. And and let me tell you why, okay? And just so you're like, well, you're just saying that. No, this is why, okay? You know what doctrine is, okay? We talk about it a lot, but if you don't, doctrine is this. A doctrine is what the Bible teaches about a certain thing, okay? And doctrine is good. It's a good thing. That's why I harp on it so much. Okay, That's why I want you to be in the Bible. That's why I want you to read the Bible. That's why I want you to study doctrine. Because it's good. We, as a pastor, I should study what the Bible teaches about things. But as a believer, you should study just as much what the Bible teaches about given topics. What does the whole Bible teach us about salvation? What does the whole Bible teach us about Christ? What does the whole Bible teach us about whatever it is? We need to know those things. We need to study those things. Doctrine is good and the study of doctrine is good. It should be studied and embraced by pastors and non-pastors alike. 
as we study, and let me, let me say this, okay? Let me just say this, because I'm not harping on you here, because I hear of all, I mean, of these groups right now that are going on in, in, in this body that are studying through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. If you haven't seen Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, it was the book on the shelf in the, in the college bookstore that when you were told you had to buy it, you're like, man, that's going to break the bank, right? It's a big book, okay? It's like this thick. And just hearing, I know there's, there's groups of you that are getting together right now and going through this book. Why? Because you want to know what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say about these? And that's beautiful, okay? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. It's good stuff. I'm, I'm, I love you guys, all right? I love it. But that's a good thing. Doctrine is important. And we should study it. We should want to know it. But here's what happens when we do study it. As I, as I apply myself to the scriptures, as I study scriptures, I will naturally and you will naturally build fences, not bad fences, good fences, okay? Let me, let me tell you what I mean, okay? As I study what, is, what does the Bible teach about certain things, I'm going to build fences. This is what I mean, okay? And inside my little fence of, of belief, I'm going to have inside my fence, this is, what, this is what I see that Scripture says is good and true inside my fence. Boom, 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 okay? This is my fence. And there'll be a lot of other people I know who are in this fence with me. And outside of that fence, okay, you get this picture, right? As I'm studying, outside of that fence are the things that the Bible says are not good, are not true. And so I'm putting those outside of my fence. I don't want those in my fence. I don't want to embrace those things that that the scriptures say are, are not good or not true. But we have to know, we have to acknowledge, okay, that, that there, there's maybe a group over here. Of people who love God, whose fences look different than this group over here. They may study the scriptures and and love God and passionately look into God's word, and they may understand things differently than this group over here. Let me let me give you a picture, okay? Robert's family. You get to be a little church today, okay? Stand up, just stand right there. Huddle up and look like you love the Bible, okay? <laughs> Alright? And you three and you two are nice, like, this is like a, a family-oriented church over here, right? Okay, she's got all these babies. Come over here, huddle up, just stand in front of everybody, okay? So here's what I mean, all right? We, we got these two groups. They love God. These, these don't love each other as much. These, well, neither do they, okay? So you should huddle up. That's okay. Okay, circle up. Pretend like you love each other, all right? And you're studying, and it's okay. Never mind that part. It's okay. These are the lovers of, of each other. These are just the lovers of God. Okay. <laughs> So here's the thing, okay, this group over here, all right, see this group over here? These are people that genuinely love God, and they're studying the Bible. Well, they, they read through the Bible, and they come to this conclusion. We don't believe that babies, and they have babies, should be baptized, okay? This is, yeah, you're not allowed to nod yes or no, okay? You can't acknowledge, all right, that babies should be baptized, okay? Here's your little church over here. This group, on the other hand, says... Well, we're reading the scriptures, and we believe that babies should be baptized, and we will baptize babies. And they love God. And they love God. Now, here's the thing. These are fences, right? They have fences here. They have fences here. She's terrified of this group over here, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. We are called to love outside of our fences, 
Offenses don't keep us from loving and having unity and having uh, hearts for each other and, 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 and having lives that, that are hospitable to each other and, and all those things. It, it doesn't mean we don't love each other, but it wouldn't work for these two groups who love Jesus to assemble together, right? Because this group is having babies like crazy, obviously, right? <laughs> so every time this group has a baby, what's going to happen? Conflict, disagreement, strife. And so it doesn't work. And, go ahead and sit down, okay? And so we could, we could list out different doctrines where we would say, yes, that's true. Those, those things, those differences don't keep us from loving other people who have those different beliefs, different understandings, I should say. They don't keep us from, they can't keep us from loving those people. We're called to be the body of Christ and have unity. But it might not work for all of those people to assemble together and worship together on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings or Monday nights or whatever. Because there's differences in understanding. And that's why I don't think it's, it's necessarily bad, and I want to use that word necessarily, that there's different denominations. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that every church split is God-honoring. I'm not saying that. There's hundreds and thousands of, of sinful things that happen in the body of Christ that cause divisions that, that shouldn't happen. Now, I'm not saying that every birth of a denomination was, was God-glorifying. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this, there are people who are seeking God and studying the word and they land differently than I land. People that I know and love. And I'm called to have unity. I'm called to love those people. And we may not assemble together on Sunday mornings, but I have a love for them and there needs to still be unity between us. Now, again, I'm not I'm, I'm talking about doctrine stuff. OK, I'm not talking about like worship style stuff or this church dresses this way. This church doesn't dress this way. I'm not talking about that. That's. That's just stuff. OK, that's not doctrine. All right. So I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about a color of carpet, not paint on the walls. There's issues like that that have divided churches for real. OK, we're talking about doctrine. OK, where, where there are people who love God, who are seeking God, who land here. And there are people who are loving God and seeking God and landing here. Are we loving through that? Now, here's, here's the thing. I don't think we're doing a good job with that. I don't think as the body of Christ we do a very good job with that. And here's what I mean. I think, I think if I were to pick a church that was completely opposite of us, in doctrine and style, and I begin to list off, hey, this is what this church does, this is what this church does, this is what this church does, this is what this church does. I think in our minds, for some of us, we would struggle with, I could never believe that way. I can never, I can't even understand that. I can, and and, and we, instead, of, instead of realizing that there are people who are absolutely loving God and seeking God and, and wanting to know God, instead of seeking to have unity with those people, we push them away. We don't go to my kind of church. You don't go to my style of church. And, and some of us will struggle with that. And, and, and I'm telling you, that's sin. That's wrong. If we're in Christ, we ought to be seeking to have unity. We ought to have unity in the body with other believers. Why? Because we're in Christ. Christ died for them. Christ died 
for us. And through those differences, we can have love. Over our fences, we can have love for each other and unity together. So that's number one, okay? Unity. I know you're excited. That was a short one, okay? I'm just kidding. Number two, members. We're members. As the church, we're members of the household of God. Stay with me, okay? Don't be afraid. This is good stuff. Here we go. We're members of the household of God. That word household gives us a picture of what? You think of a household, what do you think of? A family, right? Someone said that. Family. We're family. And whose house is it? God's house. We're all part of this family, this, this family that, that, is, that God is over. We're a part of God's family as the church. You're God's kids. That's a great, wonderful, amazing truth about the church. And the thing is, as we've gone through chapter 2, and specifically starting with, with verse 11 and 12, if, we, if we're going to live as members of God's household, we have to know, we have to know who we are as the saints. I mean, going all the way back to the beginning of, of Ephesians. We've mentioned over the last several weeks, this over and over, how we, we, need, to, we need to know who we were and who we are in Christ. We were strangers and aliens. We're not that anymore. We're no longer strangers and aliens. We're citizens of heaven. We're alive in Christ. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We're children of God. That's an amazing, amazing thing. Do we live that way? In in, in our household, in the whole household, we have five boys that run around and make noise, okay? But we have boundaries. We have rules in our home. Sometimes it doesn't sound like it at all, okay? But we actually do, all right? We have boundaries. We have rules in our home. And the kids know they're expected to obey those rules. They're expected to stay inside those boundaries. Sometimes they don't. And when they don't, we address that. But as part of God's family, do we live that way? Do we strive as part of God's family to live inside of his boundaries? Boundaries that he set out for us in his word. Boundaries that he's given to us. Do we, do we strive? Do we want to live inside those boundaries where there's joy and peace and, and fellowship? Rather, some of us, this is what some of us do. We see those, those, those boundaries, right, that God has set out for us, how we ought to live, what we ought to do. Out there is what we ought not to do. And some of us want to get so close. Some of us just run across the line, okay? Let's be honest. We're just like, I see that over there. I'm going to go get that, right? But some of us, we just want to get so close to the edge, so close to the line. So we can smell what it's like on the outside of the boundary. So we can see what it's like. So we can just, what's it like over there? We want to talk to people. Hey, what's it like over there? I remember that. Some of us, we want to get so close to the boundaries. Are we living as as members of God's household, joyful inside the boundaries that he set up for us where fellowship is right with him, where fellowship is good with him. We're not in disobedience and walking away from him, but, but loving him and living for him and wanting to glorify him. Are we, 
Are we living as members of God's household? Third, it says we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. When it talks about the apostles, it's the, the 12 appointed by Jesus, right? And here, in this case, when it says prophets, it's talking about New Testament prophets, okay? In the order that it says it, apostles, prophets, it's talking about New Testament prophets. And so, what is he talking about when he says the foundation, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets? That foundation that was laid by the apostles and prophets was divine revelation. It was God's word. It was the gospel. And so the foundation that it's talking about here, the foundation that we're built on is God's word. The foundation that we as the church is built on is God's word. Now here's a passage I want to read for you. It's it's wonderful. First Timothy chapter 3. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. Verses uh, 14 and 15 it says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So kind of what we're talking about in the previous point. How we ought to behave in God's household. Listen to what he says about the household of God, which is the church, okay? Which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. I love this verse. I love this verse. So that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. You, as part of the church, are a pillar and buttress of truth. Now, what's a pillar and a buttress? A pillar is what? It holds stuff up, right? It holds buildings up, right? It, 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 hold thing, it holds things up, and it's trustworthy. When architects are, are building, they don't, they don't question pillars. They put pillars there because they know that they, they hold things up. They're trustworthy. In the same way with a buttress that, that's built against a wall or a building, it's there to give support to it. It's there to, to hold it up. And so what Paul's saying is, what God's Word is saying is, is that as the church, the church of the living God, you as a part of the church, the church as a whole, is a pillar and buttress of truth. You are there to hold up. You are there to support. You are there to hold up truth. But what is truth? Jesus tells us that in John seventeen seventeen when he's praying for you, when he's praying for me. He's praying for us. He says, sanctify them. He's talking to the Father and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So as the church, our foundation is God's word. And as the church, we are called to be pillars of the truth. As a part of the church, you are called to be a pillar of the truth, to hold it up to hold up God's word. Not just when we gather on Sunday mornings, but you're the church. 
a pillar and buttress of the truth. I, I love that picture. That's, that's, that's who we are. That's who we are if we're a part of the church. And our purpose is to hold it up. I, I say this a lot. I can't say it enough. We cannot function as a part or as the church. We cannot function properly as the church without God's word. We can't do it. We have to be in it. We've got to be in God's word. It's our sword. Ephesians 6, 17 tells us that, that God's word is our sword. We're talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Sword against what? Well, we'll get there in Ephesians, but, but spiritual things. When we're attacked spiritually, we need the sword to fight off spiritual attack. And we need the sword to discern. We need the, we need the word of God to be able to discern from false teaching and right teaching. It's a sword for us. It's, it's, it's what we just said that Jesus prayed. It's, it's there to grow us. When Jesus says sanctify them, he's talking about growing us to maturity. Sanctification is that process that, that, that the Holy Spirit, that God works us through, where he grows us from, from being babies in Christ to mature adults in Christ. And it's a constant process through our whole life. And we never arrive at this point where, where God says, done. Okay, good. Now I can go on to this person. No, it's a process of, of sanctification through our whole life. And what he says is sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so we need to be in the word constantly through the rest of our lives. Why? So that we could be grown and matured. It grows us. It builds our faith. Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Some of you get into circumstances and you're like, I, I just wish I had more faith in this. Were you reading the Bible? Well, no, I just need faith. Well, our faith comes from the time we spend in the Bible. It comes from the word of Christ. It's built up, it's built up, it's built up, it's built up as we spend time in God's word. We need the Bible. We need God's word. It's our direction and, 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 and it's powerful and effective and convicts us of sin, Hebrews 4.12 says. We could go on and on and on and on and on. We need to be in God's word. We need to be in God's word. Some of you, honestly, you look at that picture of, of we're called as, as, as the church to be a pillar and buttress of truth. And honestly, some of you, if you were honest, what you know about the Bible is just what, You've heard people say, and they said it in a cool enough way that you were convinced about it. And so you're like, that's what I believe, because that guy said it really good. I believe that. And that's, that's what you know about God's word is just from hearing certain things. And you're not, you're not digging in and trying to get in and find out what is God's word said. Is, is what this guy said right? Tony said this last week. I've never heard that before. Is that right? I'm going to get into the Bible and find out if it's right. If it's not right, I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be okay with that. I'm going to approach him and I'm going, to, I'm going to confront him on that and say, look, this is what God's word said. This is what you said. I believe God's word. I think you're wrong, right? And that's fine. You should do that. We talked about it in the book of Acts with the Bereans. That's what they were doing. We've got to be in God's word. Not just in, in the presence of people who teach God's word. We need to be in God's word and studying it. It doesn't say that the church is a, is a noodle. 
of truth. It's bendy, and if the wrong thing comes wrong, along, it's just going to burn, and oh, bummer. I didn't know. I didn't study. I wish I would have studied. It's a pillar and buttress of truth, and as a part of the church, you, you ought to strive to be a part of that pillarness, all right? You can use that. Number four, Christ is the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone. Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The cornerstone of the foundation is Christ. And the cornerstone was the, 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 the structural part that, that held everything together in the building. It was the necessary part of the building. It was there to hold it all together as the support, the unifier of the, the entire building. Scripture says that that's what Christ is for us. When you're looking at, at building a building, the cornerstone ensures that the building is, is square and stable. That's what Christ is for us. We talk about this, this verse from, from Colossians. says, Christ is our all. He, he holds all things together. In fact, go ahead and turn to Colossians 1. This is what Christ is for all things. How much more for his body, the church. Chapter 1, verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Christ is all. He's holding the church together. And, and, and the thing is, he is the necessity for being a part of the church. If we have unity with Christ, we're a part of the church. And he's working and holding and unifying and keeping. And he will not just keep for some time. He will keep for all time. Christ is all. As a part of the church, as a part of the church, you have Christ as your strength. You have Christ as your support. You have Christ as your hope. You have Christ as your righteousness. You have Christ who holds all things together. If you're not familiar with that Colossians passage, get familiar with that passage. It should be. It should be. Talk to Michael afterwards. He loves this passage, all right? I'm serious. I'm serious. It's Christ. This is our Christ, our Savior, who's the cornerstone of all that we are. Number five, the church is growing. It's growing. In, in Him, in Christ, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It's growing. Despite what some people may say, the church is still growing. And no matter what books come out from here to the end, the church will continue to grow. Guess what? 
because it's not my job to grow the church. If it were, buy every book that says that the church is declining, okay? And believe it, all right? If it's up to me, but it's not up to me. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Tony, the gates of anyone else cannot prevail against it. And it's going to continue to grow. Why? Because Jesus is building his temple. He's building his temple. And what Paul's referring to is is the joining of every part, every component being fitted together. And it's it's not going to be complete until every person who will ever believe in Christ believes in him. And then the church will be complete and Christ will come. But until then, the church will continue to grow and grow and grow. Here's the thing. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in fellowship as a body, as a, as, a, as a local body. I want to be in fellowship with God. I want to be in communion with God. I want to be worshiping God. I want to be right with God. Why? Because I want to be used by God. I want us to be used by God. Because he's going to grow his church. He's going to grow his church. I want to be part of that. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Number six, church is a dwelling place for God. The dwelling place for God. Verse 21, In him the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Gives us this picture of a holy temple and a dwelling place for God. Paul says that the church is is this holy temple, this dwelling place. When you think of a temple, a temple is a a building in which God dwells. but, But it's also a building that belongs to God, that's set apart to God. It's, it's holy. It's holy to God. It's set apart to God. And as the church, that's what we are. We're set apart to God. We're holy, set apart to Him. And as this temple, it's, it's the place where He dwells. Now, this is, a, this is an interesting thing because, because the New Testament teaches us both. The church as a whole is the dwelling place of God, and you individually as a part of the church are the dwelling place for God. And so it's both and, okay? It's this picture of as the church, God dwells in the church. He dwells in us. But also individually, God dwells in us. I think this is, is, is huge for me as, a, as an individual part of the church because my usefulness, your usefulness, will affect the local church's usefulness. And I think beyond that, we'll check what will affect the church as a whole usefulness. And this is what I mean. As I am useful or not useful, as, I am, as I'm a part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is meant to display Christ to the world. Well, as a part of that body, as I interact with people, how I present Christ to them is going to affect what they see the church as being. And, and, and so sin in me... A lack of fellowship with God in me affects the body of Christ. I was just reading this, this last week in Joshua 7. I'll keep this really short, but it's, but it's that story of Achan, right? And, 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 and the Israelites are, are, are led now by Joshua, and they go up against um, 
Jericho, right? And they march around the city. This is crazy. I, you know, I was, I was thinking as I was reading this. I promise I'm keeping this short, okay? But I was thinking as I'm reading through this, right? Imagine the people of Jericho the first six days. And they're freaked out anyway, right? And they're hearing all of these hundreds of thousands of people marching around their city that they're scared to death of anyway. Oh, that's going to be terrifying, right? That's just an extra piece, okay, of the sermon this morning, right? But they've just accomplished this conquering of Jericho, right? And God had said, there's certain things that I want you to do. And I want you to take stuff. I don't want you to hide stuff. I don't want you to keep stuff for yourself. And so they conquer Jericho. Well, imagine being Israel, right? You just go up against the city and the walls of the city are high and you can't go through it. You can't go over it. And God says, well, just march around it and yell. All right, we'll do that. And they do, and they're done. They, they kill the people of Jericho. They conquer the city. Well, they're probably feeling pretty good right now, right? So then they come up to this next little city. It's like Delaware. Okay, they've just conquered Columbus, and now they come to Delaware. All right, if you haven't been to Delaware, you should make a trip. It's pretty fun. Delaware, Ohio, okay, called AI. And they're pretty stoked, and they look at AI, and they're like, why don't you bunch of people just stay home and relax, watch TV, eat, do whatever you want to do, and we'll just take this few thousand people up against AI, and we'll take care of them. Because the Lord's with us. And they go up against AI. And what happens? AI chases them away. And they freak out and they run away scared. And they come back and they're like, oh no, what's going on? Joshua falls on his face. He's like, Lord, what is going on? And God tells him, get up. There's sin in the camp. There's someone who has sinned. Now there's hundreds of thousands of people. And one man disobeyed. And it affected the whole camp. And so you got this the rest of the story where they God says, you know, bring them as as as, as clans and as, as 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 tribes, as clans, and, and break it down all the way down to you get to the household. And you just imagine Achan as it's going through this whole thing and how there's th- hundreds of thousands of them, right? And the process must have taken so long. Certainly a whole day, right? As he's weeding down all the way down until Achan's household. And this guy is sweating, right? And I can understand it. Okay, I've, heard, I've heard people say, like, gosh, why didn't he come forward? I wouldn't have come forward, okay? Because they had already been announced, whoever is found with the stuff is going to be burned. I'm going to hold off for the day, right? I'm going to wait. And so he's freaking out all day long, and finally it comes, and the whole camp stones him, and, and he's burned. And then they go up, and they conquer Ai. One man's sin. It affected the whole camp. I think that's true of the church. I think that's true of, of the church. And that's why there's, there's and again, let me just cut this off, okay? But that, that's why there's so much instruction of, of how we ought to live with each other as the body of Christ. And how we have unity and how we ought to encourage each other and how we ought to confront each other with sin. Because it matters. It matters. And your fellowship, your relationship with God and your Life of sin or sinlessness is going to affect not just you, but the body of Christ. It matters. Number seven, it's by the Spirit. Just very quickly. You are built by the Spirit in the, into a dwelling place for God. 
or in the Spirit as a dwelling place for God. We're going to talk on this a lot, a lot more in, in a few months. Um, but some of us live these lives of grieving the Holy Spirit day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And our effectiveness, our fellowship is broken with God through that. We need to walk by the Spirit. We need to live by the Spirit individually as a part of the church and as a church body. Number eight, church is local, but also part of the whole. We are a part of the church. Here at Cornerstone, we are a part of the church. We're a local assembly of believers that are the church, but we are also a part of the bigger church, the universal church. Verse 22 says, and, and, and Paul goes to talking from the universal to the church at Ephesus here. He says, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul's speaking directly to the local believers and saying that they're being built together with the saints from everywhere into the dwelling place of God. We need to remember this. Just like we talked about earlier with the unity thing, we're a part of the body of Christ. We need to, we need to pray for and love others in the body of Christ. We need to love outside of our fences. We need to embrace outside of our fences. We need to pray for each other outside of our fences. I thought about this this week and and had already written most everything out and, and was just thinking through this idea of, do we really get that? Do we really believe that? Do we really embrace that? Do we really want that? Do we really want unity with the body of Christ outside of why we have this little nice thing right here, don't we? Do we really want unity? Do we really desire that? Do we really know what else is going on? And, and, and so it was super late in the week, okay? And I'm saying this because I didn't think of it until then, and then to give an excuse for people, okay? Because what, what I thought was it'd be really good if, we just, if, if I could just call some pastors from the area and just, hey, if you have a minute or two, just, if you just put a video together and, and, and just say, hey, this is my name, and this is what we'd love for you to pray for for our church. Because they're part of the body of Christ, okay? And so I called, and, and uh, I was amazed that three pastors actually were able, okay? And it's your pastors, okay? It was Thursday evening. And so I put a quick video, quick video together, real quick. And, and, and just as we close, as we think about the body of Christ and loving the body of Christ, I uh, want to watch this, and we're going to sing. But before we do that, I just want to take a minute and pray. Pray for the church here in Columbus. Pray for the church in greater Columbus, that God would work. And all these things that we talked about the church being, that he would work powerfully in this area through his church. Go ahead and watch. Hi, this is Pastor Gary Underwood from Delaware Grace Brethren Church. We are north side of Delaware off of uh, Route 23. And uh, yeah, as uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ, we would love uh, if you guys would pray for us, that you would help us to continue uh, this year to focus on looking at the life of Jesus Christ and saying, how can we be more like him? Uh, part of our, our goal as his disciples is to Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we know we've got so far to go. Uh, but really to, to start to think about others as uh, better than ourselves, to reach out and love and care about uh, the hurting in our community in uh, 
north side of Columbus and Delaware and, and really to have the heart of Christ wherever we go to represent him well. So pray for us. Thank you. My name is Brian Robertson. I'm the executive pastor of New Life Church in Gahanna. We are so grateful for your prayers and your time of worship this weekend. Our vision as a church is to lead people into transforming relationships with Jesus Christ through the gospel. God is up to good things here at New Life. And our request of you is that you pray for us that we would be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that he can indeed transform lives through that gospel. Again, thank you so much for praying for us. Hi, my name is Lee Davis. I'm the lead teaching elder at North Point Baptist Church in Lewis Center. We know several of you and have enjoyed our times with you very much. I appreciate Tony reaching out to us and asking us to share some prayer requests. So here are a few that come to mind as you think about what role you play in the larger body of Christ and serving us. We do appreciate it very much. The first is that we will be unified and that we will treat each other with love and kindness, that we will have common vision as we serve Christ here and abroad. The second thing is that we will have a door to proclaim the mystery of Christ open to us, as Paul says in Colossians 4, and that we will do so with boldness and wisdom and discernment and kindness, that Christ will be magnified among new disciples here in this community, and that those new disciples will find great joy in him. And then thirdly, that our elders will be unified, that we will have wisdom and humility, and that we will serve our people with a spirit of sacrifice and love. So those are things that come to mind. Thanks so much for serving us in these ways. And from our church to yours, grace and peace be with you. Let me uh, just lead us in a time of prayer just silently for a moment and just encourage you guys to pray. Uh, not just for these these guys. I even think uh, this morning we have uh, Brad Ish here, who's a pastor east of Columbus and, and on vacation this morning and joining us, which is awesome. Uh, and so the other pastors, for Brad and, and for other pastors that you know, um, that you can be praying for and for our body, um, that you'd be praying for us, that we would be a pillar of truth in this area. And so just take a minute and pray, and then I'll, I'll lead us in prayer and we'll worship singing. <laughs> 